Welcome to the Illuminate Faith Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dave Exley, and in this week's episode, we'll be exploring uh, that first line of the United Church of Canada's creed, we are not alone, and pondering the implications for uh, new ministry and connecting with others and, and having conversations with people within the church and in the surrounding community. I'll be having a conversation uh, later in the episode with Alan Reeve and Joe Ramsey. Uh, Alan is a United Church minister, a community animator and organizer. Uh, and Joe Ramsey is also a United Church minister who's worked in various different capacities at the conference level and at general council level as well. And he's also responsible for our theme music. This week's episode was recorded live at the Early Bird Diner in London, Ontario. So without further ado, let's get started. So welcome to the Illuminate Podcast, episode number four. I'm Dave Exley. I'm Doug Peck. And I'm Isaac Mundy. And we're here at the Early Bird Diner, and, and we're stuffed after a great uh, breakfast uh, here. Uh, so uh, hopefully we make it through the podcast uh, here without falling asleep. But uh, We highly recommend the hot sauce. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so today we're exploring uh, just the theme of you know our United Church Creed states right off the bat, we are not alone. And we're wondering about the implications of that. What does that mean for us? We want to kind of unpack that uh, and, uh, and dive into what, what does it mean to not be alone? Uh, Doug, what, what comes to mind when you think about uh, that image? Uh, right away, I think in, in a rural environment where, where my congregations are located, farming communities, there's a deep and rich history of, of knowing everyone you share community with and and feeling as though um these are these are community members these are friends that are a little more than that you just know them so well you you've known them perhaps over generations and um there's just such a connection and i find uh you know though i've lived in urban environments before sometimes there's more a sense of loneliness while living in urban settings uh and and you know being in a place of uh, rural environment where where there's fewer people, there's fewer things, um, it's it's a it's a little ironic that you don't feel as alone in a rural context. And um, so so right away, I, I just think about just deep relationships and and good community. You know, I think for me, one of the maxims that I really live by in my life is that you're really never somebody's neighbor until you've seen them in their underwear. And um, I've been in a, living in a condo townhouse complex with uh, my wife and family. And it, it's interesting. You're really in close proximity. You share a backyard with people. I saw one of my neighbors running by my window the other day in his underwear chasing his cat. And I think that there's these moments where you see the vulnerability of other people that allows you to enter into relationship in a new way. I mean, it was kind of awkward when we uh, locked glances uh, at that particular <laughs> moment. But when you think about so many Bible passages, there are stories like the story of the Good Samaritan where the guy has been left and stripped of all of his clothing at the edge of the road. There's the story, I mean, really, of Jesus on the cross and being naked. And really, God comes into our lives in this naked way. And so I think that it's, it's, it's interesting for us to think about when we're not alone. It's not just we're not alone when we're um, at our best, but there's that sense of community that we have with one another and with God, even in those moments where it's kind of awkward and, and we're vulnerable to other people. 
So I now have a new picture of what <laughs> our neighbor is, uh, is to look like. And so maybe, uh, yeah, our, our connection uh, needs to change uh, in order for us to, uh, to go deeper in our relationship. But I'm not sure I'm ready to go there just yet. <laughs> uh, right away, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, covering a funeral not long ago and uh, a farming couple. And, and a story came out that, you know, even though in a rural environment you, you can be very close with your neighbors, there's there's still a desire for, for them not to see you naked. There was a, a story at, at a funeral that came up where where a couple was was helping, uh, was doing some yard work in the front and and uh, all of a sudden the wife falls down and, and the husband starts to pick her up and as he's doing that they're in a bit of an uncompromising uh, compromising position and neighbors drive by and he drops his wife. The guy just <laughs> drops his wife and she looks at him and says, why'd you do that? And he, he said, what would the neighbors think? And, and, and yeah, this, this sense of uh, that, that um, we, we want to hold back a little. We have comfort zones that we want to maintain. So we've talked, uh, I think the natural thing when we think about uh, that line, we are not alone, is, is to think about in, in terms of, you know, our connectedness to God, our connectedness to the Creator, to that which is, is holy. But it does go beyond that too, which is the thing that I love about that line, that it prompts us to think about relationship. It prompts us to think about our connection to the wider world. Uh, Interested in, in, in getting into the conversation that we had uh, that I had uh, a little while ago with Alan Reeve and, and Joe Ramsey there, and in that conversation we talked about the strangers holding the key to the kingdom, and uh, and now certainly I've got a different picture of what <laughs> a stranger might uh, might look like there, but uh, I, I'm wondering whether you have any thoughts on that idea of the the strangers holding the keys to the kingdom. Yeah, you know, I think that it's interesting for me uh, thinking about how how we do en- end up encountering the stranger because a lot of the time there is this idea that, um, you know, the stranger is the predator who's going to come and do something to your kids or do something uh, to you that there, it's a, there's a whole threat of people coming into the community who we're not familiar with. Um, and yet there's also, I, I don't know, experiences in my own life of having lived with uh, different people and Sometimes when you move in with different roommates, you think that it's going to be this uh, great experience if you live with your best friends. But sometimes some of the greatest experiences that I've had have been living with people who I didn't know at all. And uh, but getting to know them coming from really uh, different backgrounds. And um, so I, I think that one of the beautiful things is just being able to try and live with the stranger and get to know them a bit more and uh, and see how those relationships grow and, and change. Right away, it makes me think of what you originally said, Isaac, about how uh, to to be naked in front of someone else. It's often easier when we don't know the person. We they don't know our uh, when we don't know anything about them. It's sometimes just a little easier to open up, isn't it? Sometimes. Yeah, I I, I just it, it's interesting thinking about this in terms of the church. What are the implications of the church to really truly ponder, not just. Uh, you know, the, the strangers holding the keys to the kingdom, but this whole idea, we are not alone. If we're going to proclaim that as our, as our creed, it prompts us to, to move out and, and to connect with people and to move beyond our comfort zones. It's interesting, uh, just was watching uh, yesterday, uh, had, had recorded an episode of um, W. Kamau Bell's uh, United Shades of America, which is on CNN. And uh, there's the, here he is, this African-American comedian who is exploring issues of race in America. 
which you know it's certainly a timely uh, show uh, for what's happening uh, certainly in the United States and and, and as we think about uh, issues of race that that are emerging uh, uh, in the headlines uh, across uh, America but in this particular episode and I've only seen the one episode uh, he uh, explores the idea of uh, connecting with the Ku Klux Klan and here he is this this uh, African-American man uh, who sets out to to have conversations with people that are involved in the Klan and it's so interesting to think I mean it, it, there's some funny moments in there I mean but he attends a, a cross burning he uh, he sits down and has lunch with one of the the key members from I think I think a, a core group uh, from Arkansas and just all throughout the episode I kept thinking about this idea of Here's the, such an extreme example of taking yourself out of your comfort zone. There were moments where he really, you could see that he was scared. You could see that, that he was like, and he commented on this, what am I doing here out in the dark meeting with a bunch of clan members? I shouldn't be doing this. Uh, but that ability to take risks, that ability to step out, I mean, that, that should serve, serve as an example for us in the church, uh, that when we think about those things that hold us back, often it's, it's the willingness to connect with the stranger because we want to make assumptions about them. And some of those assumptions still rang true for him after he met, you know, this is an extreme example of, Obviously, of meeting with the Klan and having an African American sort of share that story, but there were things that you know he revealed to them that surprised uh, them, and and things that surprised him. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's such a great example there of what we need to do as the church to step out to proclaim that we are not alone and to make those connections with the stranger, with our neighbors around us. So it's such a great example. It, it, it is an extreme one, but, but at the same time, something I think we can all relate to. Whenever we feel alone, there's walls built up. There's walls that we contribute to building. There's walls that others perhaps contribute to, to building. And, and the, the notion to, to go out and seek to not be alone requires a lot of onus on ourselves, doesn't it? That, as you say, Dave, to get out of your comfort zone and make the effort yourself. And yeah, yeah. And that's where I think that uh, uh, certainly with, with Joe and Alan, who we'll hear from soon, uh, just this idea of engaging in, in sacred conversations is so important. Um, and, and this art of hosting thing that they're linking up with there. I had a, the chance, and I talk about this in the interview with them, of, of, um, of doing some of this work uh, that they're doing uh, in a, um, a retreat that was held at Five Oaks uh, a number of weeks ago. And it was just fantastic to be a part of an event that didn't have a predetermined you know, conclusion or, or that, well, here we're gathering in order to achieve X, but it was so open-ended. And I feel like the more that we can do that uh, as a church, the more that we can engage people in conversation from a standpoint of like, because so often when we think about the conversations that we have with our neighbors uh, and and the, the activities that we do, it's all designed to, well, boost membership or, or to, to get people to attend uh, Sunday morning worship or uh, special worship services that we have. We always have that agenda. And, and I think that proclaiming we are not alone and proclaiming living into that that truth and and proclaiming that the strangers hold the keys to the kingdom uh forces us to to be open to the possibilities that exist rather than predetermining what the outcomes might be 
Yeah, and I think too, like it's interesting thinking about that encounter with the stranger. Is that part of that experience of leaving it open ended means that in some ways we uh, need to say, okay, in some ways I'm going to be available to the stranger, and I think that that can be something that's a little bit freaky for us. Like I've heard Jean Vanier, who started the Large Communities, Canadian guy, who uh, talks a lot about one of our greatest fears is that when we encounter the stranger, whether it's a person on the street or a person with um, a developmental disability is that we feel scared because we feel like they're going to ask us for help and we're just going to be completely overwhelmed and our lives are so full and we want to have control over everything in our lives. But there's something about entering into that encounter with a stranger that also allows us to then become available to their places of need and maybe they would actually be available to our places of need too. And I think that that's, I mean, such an important call within our faith is to be open to maybe that that request will come, but that we're not going to be completely overwhelmed, that God will be with us as we move through that. And I think that's really important to, to look at. Isaac, hearing you talk about that, you know, they might meet our needs. Um, I was leading a small group the other day in, in the church and, and asked the question, where's a place where you feel like you belong? And every single person, I was, I was very surprised to, to hear them talk about a group that they were involved in with. It was, it was a lot of interest stuff, a book club that maybe they didn't know anybody, but they went out on the line and, and uh, chose to, to connect with people. Or, or maybe it was just uh, something of personal interest where they were around very different people. And, and what they they each said that they it was almost because they were so different that they found such a strong connection with others and it got to a point where where as you say Isaac that that it, it fed them in a way that was so deep so so cherished that that most of them reported that you know this this thing that they're now a part of they don't want to miss on a weekly basis they just they don't want to miss it I thought that was so powerful to hear and and, and that it does feed us in a way. It, it meets a need that, that we're longing for, that it, the, the doors to the kingdom. Speaking of doors, uh, I'm thinking about uh, a community of faith. There's this wonderful story. I, I spent uh, time in ministry down uh, in the Philadelphia area years ago and uh, was there for the emergence of this uh, this community in downtown Philadelphia. There, there was a Presbyterian church that had closed down and or at least membership had dwindled down to a handful of people and they just couldn't afford to keep the building going i mean it was right down from city hall on broad street and um so in the midst of figuring out what to do with the church uh the philadelphia presbytery was was headed in the direction of just selling the property uh and a few ministers or at least one in particular that i know of uh, who uh, was a minister in the suburbs uh, said "I, i just don't feel comfortable closing down a church in center city of philadelphia if we can't do ministry there why why do i why are we doing ministry anywhere if we can't do it there and and so what emerged was this idea well let's just hire somebody uh to to do a job and just to do ministry and after they began to open up the doors and engage the neighborhood uh, and really, it was kind of one of those things that just naturally happened for the leadership uh, there. Bill Golder, who was the convening minister uh, uh, for Broad Street, did a phenomenal job of, of connecting with people in the neighborhood that all of a sudden, uh, those that were in the neighborhood were saying, you know, uh, we used to watch and we saw how every Sunday the church would open the doors 
and and it was almost as this you know the, the church was saying here we're releasing all our goodness out to you out to the world uh, and he said I don't see that anymore I what I see is I see your doors opening up and you're allowing the spirit all that is within the community all that the goodness to flow into the church you're open to receive I'm paraphrasing what the person said but th- that image has stuck with me how are we when we open our doors as the church are we opening it only to let the goodness out is that the image that we have in mind or are we opening it with this mindset of hey come on in and share we we're, we want to hear what you have to we want you to offer us there's something that you have to offer us and we're open to receive that yeah that's right and you know i think it's like it's thinking about it's moving from the place of seeing the church as being those that place with the doors and we're the ones inside of the church but maybe kind of reimagining things even to think of the the church community or the community of faith being the actual neighborhood not just this building and so that it's it's this uh this thing it's this geographical place that's um whether it's in a rural area or whether it's in a downtown core not just thinking about the building but thinking about uh everything that's taking place all around and uh i think that's important well, with that, let's uh, let's go to the interview with with Alan and Joe and hear what they have to say about this this idea of hosting sacred conversations and the implications uh, for how that might influence uh, this image of we are not alone and how it might influence our image of engaging the wider community. So I'm here with uh, Joe Ramsey. Joe, thanks for uh, for being on the podcast today. Pleasure. And uh, with Alan Reeve. Alan, how are you today? I'm doing great, Dave. I'm glad to be here. Excellent. And so I, I'm wondering if, uh, Joe, you can tell me a little bit about hosting sacred conversations. Well, uh, hosting sacred conversations is a, an initiative that Alan Reeve and I have uh, have started, which uh, really follows the model and example of a broader movement globally that is known as um, is known as the art of hosting, which uh, pulls together practices like uh, World Cafe and uh, uh, open space technology and, and circle conversations uh, to e- enable uh, uh, folks to, to engage in conversations with each other that um, they're, first of all, about, about things that matter, about the important stuff we need to talk about, but also to engage in conversation in a way that uh, is is truly uh, productive, respectful, and and you know creates the kind of outcomes from those conversations that uh, that are life giving. And uh, so we're doing some uh, training sessions uh, throughout the church on on how how folks can give leadership to creating those kind of conversations, not only within you know the membership or the or the folks already involved in the church but even looking more broadly than that so the congregations can be engaged in meaningful conversations with uh partners within their communities uh, other organizations and, and other individuals and i wonder how alan what's uh, what's your history with uh with you know these uh, sacred conversations and the art of hosting how did you stumble upon uh, this well, Dave, uh, I've been fascinated by the whole process of, uh, of facilitated conversations for years. Uh, you know, I began my ministry uh, in a community-based setting, uh, working around the local e- economy, and so bringing together all kinds of uh, 
different people from the community, from business people to the politicians to the storefront shop owners to nonprofits to unemployed workers. And so I always found having a professional facilitator, someone who could get the conversations going and get people talking about uh, what's common uh, and what, what, what they really care about. So I always loved that process and found it sometimes frustrating and often productive. So, um, but just in the, in the last couple years, I've, uh, with this, uh, the church's emphasis on chasing the spirit and wanting to reach out into the community, uh, I've been researching uh, the, the, the thinkers uh, on this, people like John McKnight, Peter Block, Six Conversations That Matter, uh, The Circle Way. There's just this gathering of all these different streams all around people, getting people to talk from their hearts about what matters. Great. Uh, Joe, I'm wondering, uh, what do you think the implications of this are for uh, for maybe a denomination that's in the midst of structural change? I- I'm asking for a friend. What what might be the implications, if there are any, uh, of uh, of this as it relates to uh, denominations, congregations uh, that are in the midst of structural change? Well, one one of the fu- fundamental principles within the art of hosting uh, global community, Dave, is. Um, the, an understanding that uh, we, we live in a time where our human systems are so complex that the, the old methods that we use in, um, in more ordered systems where we can predict cause and effect more easily and more readily, in our, in our current, uh, both our church system and our social environment, um, being able to determine what we think we should do and predicting what effect that is going to have on people or on political systems or on on problems that we're trying to solve it, it just just doesn't work we we can't study something and become experts and predict outcomes um, for much of the realm in which we're dealing with so as a church we need to move into uh, using methods that um, help us uh, emerge new practices and then try and amplify what's working and dampen what's not working um, rather than thinking that we're going to fix our problems by structural changes or by uh, somehow you know creating a new program or a, a, a new a, a new uh, product of some kind that's going to fix things for us and um, the the method that you use to discover emergent practices and and how you can continually evolve those practices is just through continuous ongoing meaningful conversation so I think that one of the we have to do two things one is to let go of the idea that we can fix the church with technical solutions and then the second thing is to uh, really um, amplify these uh, you know continuous um, opportunities and the creation of these containers for conversations which help us um, discover what it is that we might try or might do next um, and and then to be continually out of those conversations also letting go of things that don't just don't work for us anymore and um, 
So I think we're moving into a time in the church where we operate more organically and and more um, in, in in that kind of more emergent, evolving uh, kind of space, as opposed to that old kind of modernist approach of being able to um, you know create uh, a, a static structure that will always be able to, and, and always be able to predict uh, the kind of outcomes that our actions are going to uh, create. So, um, bottom line, Dave, is just, uh, I think, you know, what Al- Alan and I are involved in and what many other folks in the United Church right now are involved in are, are practices that can help us uh, become a more dynamic and more organic um, organization and, um, and in that, I think, find a whole new way of living and being, which is actually an old way of living and being. <laughs> Mm. The irony of it, you know, the, the circle conversation, folks gathered around the, the fire uh, and, and engaging in storytelling is uh, not a new thing. Yeah, it, it seems like there are a lot of uh, communities of faith that, that are focused on a lot of the technical problems and, uh, and, and meet from, you know, uh, on a monthly basis to, to address those, those technical problems. Uh, and, and perhaps uh, what's what's standing in the way of, of new growth and new life is that we we get stuck on that rather than um, stepping away from that uh, and entering into more open-ended conversations that might lead to to new life is I mean that that seems to be the implication uh, that, that I see here is that um, that this type of practice might lead to new life is that what you would uh, would you agree with that Alan yeah, for sure. I mean, if you're having the same conversations with the same people, you're going to come up with the same solutions you've always come up with, right? And so what I'm seeing now is this cross-fertilization as um, congregations are being encouraged to talk to one another, but even more so uh, to get out into the community and talk with the you know, those famous spiritually but not religious folks, those community-minded folks, uh, people who share the same values around community building and uh, caring for folks and building healthy communities. You know, having those conversations with strangers, uh, you know, that's going to generate some some new ideas about how to be together as a community how to share what's on our hearts. And, you know, what I'm discovering is um, there's a new openness to talking about faith. Uh, You know, we invite people to share, like Joe was talking about, storytelling around the the campfire. You know, so how do you create opportunities for people to tell some of their own uh, faith journeys? Right, as a way of lifting up. Okay, what are what are my passions? Why am I here? Uh, why don't I want to waste any more of my life in church meetings <laughs> when we can talk about doing something in the community that generates life, that uh, creates sparks and passions, and you know, see where the the spirit's going to lead. So, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, those old ideas about building relationships, uh, inviting the spirit into, uh, you know, what we care about, what God cares about, and seeing what happens. 
Yeah, it seems like a... Tag on to what Alan's... Sure, go ahead. Just to tag, tag on there, Dave, to what Alan w- was saying, um, the, other, the other aspect uh, is that um, it's far more participatory rather than representational. That I mean, everybody gathers in the circle around the fire. It's not just that three people stand around the fire and then go tell everybody else the great ideas that they came up with. So it's it's always all of these practices are are participatory. I have a friend, uh, the person that I actually uh, was introduced to art of hosting through is Chris Corrigan, who's out in uh, British Columbia. He has hosted um, conversations with literally hundreds of people and then gathered up the wisdom and and the thinking from that very, very large participatory group of stakeholders. Um, and, and I think that in our congregational life, we have to engage practices that, that get all of the voices, including, as Alan points out, the voices of the strangers, the marginalized, those who are even outside um, being, being willing to come in and participate in our conversations to, to gain a far greater level of wisdom and insight than we can by just uh, uh, you know a few people uh, having those conversations and then telling the rest of us uh, how things are going to work. Yeah, and, and, and as you're saying that, I'm thinking about uh, one of the things that came out of the uh, the Five Oaks event uh, where it was shared that, you know, that the, the image of the strangers holding the keys to, to the kingdom or the kingdom. Uh, and uh, I, I think that uh, certainly as it relates to uh, stepping outside of uh, the church, uh, certainly there are uh, implications there that relate to our faith story. Um, yeah, any, any more that you'd like to, to add to that, uh, Alan? Yeah, the I mean it's a it's an ancient biblical theme, isn't it? The uh, the stranger, right? Whether uh, it's you know, uh, be careful to provide hospitality to strangers. You never know when you might be entertaining an angel. Uh, you know that idea that um, a stranger can bring new life or new insight or send you off uh, on a journey that was unexpected. Uh, You know, uh, it's uh, the stranger um, often in the biblical stories is, you know, is the one that, uh, think of the Emmaus Road, how the stranger uh, breaking bread, you know, uh, people recognized uh, the the Christ uh, in their midst. And so uh, <laughs> maybe I'm raising expectations pretty high on those strangers. But I think, uh, like I said, uh, uh, it's an invitation for uh, for some fresh wind, for some fresh insight uh, to see, uh, you know, when we ask the question, you know, what is God doing out there in the world, right? Uh, the people to ask are the strangers, right? And whether that's your next-door neighbor or... Uh, somebody down the street, or the uh, the shopkeeper, or uh, you know, uh, who are those people, and how do you know until you start asking? So it's all about asking questions, right? Being curious, uh, opening ourselves up, right? Uh, I sure don't have the answers. 
Well, I, I certainly appreciate uh, your wisdom on this and look forward to, to hearing more about uh, how this project goes of uh, hosting Sacred Conversations. And uh, you, you mentioned about the, the Facebook uh, page uh, and uh, going for information on that. Any other places where, uh, where we might go to find out more? Uh, just to say that there, the art of hosting is a pretty uh, broad global um, group of um, practitioners uh, in, in the thousands. So any search on the internet for art of hosting um, is, is going to uh, bring up a lot of rich information for folks. And Alan, you can add to that? Sure. Uh, I was going to say the same. Another source uh, is to look at the Tamarack Institute, a Canadian uh, think tank that uh, encourages a lot of these same kind of tools, but has lots of stories around how to uh, apply them. So the Tamarack Institute, particularly their Deepening Community Learning Center. Um, for stories internationally, Axiom News. Um, uh, Axiom News has been uh, doing some really interesting uh, experiments here in Peterborough, but they carry stories from around the world of what actually happens uh, in communities uh, when these kind of conversations happen. That's wonderful. Well, thank you, uh, Joe, and, and thank you, Alan, for sharing with us. And uh, we'll look forward to, to getting updates uh, sometime in the future about this and look forward to partnering with uh, with both of you as uh, as you step out into this, uh, this new slash old world. Thank you. <laughs> thank yeah, it's you, been Dave. a pleasure, Dave. Thanks for all the best uh, in your uh, experiments. Thanks so much, guys. Take care. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Illuminate Faith. Many thanks to Joe and Alan for joining us and sharing their wisdom with us this week. You can follow us on Twitter at Illuminate Faith. We encourage you to like us on Facebook and uh, connect with us online at IlluminateFaith.com. We look forward to sharing more stories of hope and new life in the church uh, with you next week, this same time. Take care and have a blessed week.